any good stories from the road and pipe up i wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter i'm starting to puke it makes my stomach hurt yeah. i thought he was gonna die i'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit he's on the probiotics is georgia playing the 1985 bears this weekend or what a lot of todd 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 talk rat poison proof they're mongeese we will not be hunted at the university of georgia i can promise you that the hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction Hey all, uh, Wes Blankenship here. Let me get Jake Roos and Palmer Toms in. Uh, Jake, welcome. What happened to the beard, man? <laughs> uh, you know, so I got, I've got a good trimmer. I invested in a good trimmer finally last year, <clears throat> and uh, I could not find the proper trimmer head, so I used my old crappy trimmer, and uh, as you can see, it went pretty well. Just had to go back to square one. <laughs> yeah, you Palmer just Toms, fresh off a trip uh, back home to Nashville. What's going on in the Music City? Ah, a lot of love for the dogs. A lot of uh, a lot of Tennessee fans that are that are excited to see Georgia roll into uh, Neyland and come come to, uh, November. November. Yeah, what's the breakdown like in in Nashville? Obviously, it's a Vandy's turf, but a lot of orange Rocky Top presence there too. More, more orange and white than there is black and gold. I bet there's a fair amount of Georgia though too. There, there's a good amount of Georgia, especially especially in a younger crowd. Um, where the, that's become a you know popular city for people to go to, um, you know that aren't looking to go to Atlanta, whether it's Charlotte or Nashville or Austin or whatever. Um, there's there's a good crowd. I bet you get a decent amount of Kentucky fans in Nashville as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I know a couple of Kentucky fans. <laughs> Me too. <buddy. laughs> Don't we? Um, Nashville's a fun spot, man. Uh, and uh, Palmer said he hit the town. Yeah, if I'm you can't sure tell, my I lost my voice a little bit. The uh, town hit back. The town hit back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tomahawk Dog wants to know who the guest is in the middle. That is Jake Roos, or as uh, someone on our board calls you. Is, is it Tomahawk Dog that calls you Mountain Jake? Oh, I don't know, but that's a gr- I love that. I, I'm really it's glad like a great to come up with that differentiation. Yeah. In case you get confused between I, Jake I, I will say, though, City Jake is not the proper way to call Jake Roth. <laughs> no. That, that's a fair point. Uh, Jake Roth not going to make it tonight. Let me pull up what he's got going on. He has no internet, and he is also uh, hanging out with some wildlife this weekend. Jake Roos, what what's the deal with that? Yeah, it uh, looks like uh, they took a little trip to the wildlife park, and uh, I thought it was just – fantastic man um i mean it looked like jake rowe has a real problem with alpacas based <laughs> on the photos that we saw i i don't think he trusts them as animals um yeah he was uh, he was definitely sizing them up the the first photo you sent which i would guess is getting the one that wes is going to pull up that you tweeted um was was a classic yeah <laughs> instant classic there it looked like the alpaca was sizing him back though i mean yeah, it, 100%. It like they were both checking each other out 100 percent. yeah Look at this. Look at, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that like that jake rose face screams they're like what's up bro like like what's yeah but also so does the alpaca yeah absolutely yeah and i've got to tell you the, the alpaca looks frightening there that's also such a Jake Rowe outfit right there. The sweatshirt and the master's hat. How oh, yeah. Times? I'm going to say that specific sweatshirt, in fact, like is yeah. probably the thing I've seen. I've known Jake Rowe now for uh, going on 10 years, and I've probably seen him in that specific sweatshirt 
more than any other outfit ever. Well, and yeah. and since he went to the Masters in in 2022, that specific hat. He he got a navy one this year, but uh but that 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 Masters green hat that he's got on his head right there, he he wears that one quite a bit too. So That is the Jake Rowe uniform. <laughs> it is. That there's no question. I guarantee you there he's wearing some uh, shorts that are made for hiking that he cut the liner out of probably. Uh, Fishing uh, gear shorts. Yeah, so yes, yeah, some super comfortable <laughs> shorts designed for an outdoor activity that are mostly designed in Jake Rose's life to hang out in his basement and then come to practice it. Athleisure <laughs> the Jake Rowe way. Yes, no question. Um, this is the Rowe Roast I, podcast again. <laughs> well, we will uh, we'll roast Jake to his virtual face on Wednesday, presuming he makes it on his internet's out. Uh, some, some issues getting some wires connected and buried and all kinds of stuff that he's dealing with. So this is what we got tonight. And guys, uh, it is the start of another massive, I don't want to call it historic Georgia NFL draft week because last year will be pretty hard to top. But when you look at uh, the opportunity Jalen Carter has, Broderick Jones, Darnell Washington, Nolan Smith in the first round, the dogs could make a lot of noise once again. And uh, some offensive Georgia players sneaking in there this time around because last year, of course, it was just a defensive barnstorming from all those dogs that made it in the first round. But how do you all anticipate this year's draft will have a different flavor? from uh from last seasons is it as simple as to say that there is more of an offensive presence you know really when you look at darnell washington obviously there was george pickens last season uh but right out of the gates once again you've got just a a really good mix of dogs that made huge impacts on this national championship team that are going to get their nfl draft opportunity for me, I, I think the big difference this year is the Jalen Carter thing. Um, it, that's the one that I think everybody's going to watch. And and that's because we just don't know what's going to happen. And like, I mean, last year going into it, you thought Trayvon Walker had a chance to be the, the number one overall pick. I think we had that story written and then it uh, got deleted or, or fell back into our admin. If everybody <laughs> will remember correctly on, the, on that evening. Um, but, you know, that was pretty well understood. You you thought that he was going to go pretty high in that draft. We, I mean, we had first round stories written for a lot of those guys, uh, pre written. With Jalen Carter, uh, we, we're still going to have a first round story pre written for Jalen Carter. But I think the question is, where does he land? Because it sounds like there's a potential for a slide, but is there really? And is that how much of that's just smoke that's out there? I I, I don't know. Um, you know, it feels like everybody in their power is trying to. Uh, you know, suggest Jalen Carter doesn't love football. Jalen Carter has character concerns. Da, 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 da. And then you see some of these draft models and it's like, you know, you don't see it much below the eighth, seventh or eighth pick. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a tough read. I think this year in terms of where he's going to be selected and is he going to be the first Georgia player off the board? I mean, the, these Nolan Smith projections continue to climb while the, the yeah. Carter things continue to fall. And, I got to be honest with you, man. I, like I've said on this show, I hope the Falcons are the ones that are putting this stuff out about Jalen Carter. And I hope that he lands in Atlanta because that's a guy that the the Falcons could absolutely use. I know Nolan Smith's been penciled into him a couple of times as well. 
Um, I think anybody would be happy to see a Georgia guy land with the Falcons uh, just because it's such a rarity. But overall, to me, that's the big storyline moving into Thursday is uh, how does Jalen Carter fare in this draft? Um, and I, I don't think there's any reflection on Kirby Smart uh, and, and the culture of Georgia's program, but that's been the continuous narrative around that idea, right? No, that's that's absolutely the biggest storyline. I, I think the biggest difference between last year's group and this year's group is I think the second night could be pretty quiet. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, if, if Darnell Washington and Keely Ringo make it there, uh, which, which I feel like most projections at this point have that happening, they're going to hear their names called early, probably in that 40 to 50 range right there. And then Georgia may not have another guy picked until the fifth round. Um, you know, probably not going to end up with a third rounder. They could end up with a fourth. Uh, you know, I think that's an interesting round. Um, you know, I remember sitting at home last year as we were, uh, you know, getting ready to publish uh, all those stories, and none of us would have expected Jake Camarda to go in the fourth. I, I didn't know Amir White to go in the fourth. Sure. Um, you know, that to me, that's kind of an area where – And I don't think anybody predicted N'Kobe Dean to slide like he did. No, not, not to the third. Right. Um, you know, and, and – personally i didn't think james cook would go in the second so no yes this this draft can surprise you and and you know maybe it's not going to be a quiet night but um you know i, I would say round two you're probably going to get one or two georgia players depending on if they go in the first you know darnell more so than than keely um but i would be surprised if georgia ends up with a with a round three pick and and you know i wouldn't be shocked if they end up with a round four pick, but it, you know, it would come as a big surprise too. I think that the, the, what we saw last year with this group uh, of guys that Georgia had the 15 that got picked, they were, it was almost equally distributed. They had no seventh round picks. I mean, that was the nice part about, you know, sitting at home doing it all is at the end of the sixth, we were done. We were done. Yeah. We didn't have to watch the seventh round of the draft because all 15 of the Georgia players that were picked or were up for grabs were picked. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. They've got 13 available, and I would be absolutely shocked if all 13 of them got picked. Uh, and, and so, you know, that that's sixth round, seventh round. Things are going to get really interesting there because I do think that there's going to be a lot of dogs that start hearing their name called then as opposed to the earlier uh, rounds, you know, night, the, the second night rounds two and three. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, the only guy that really intrigues me as a possibility for that third round. And I, I don't think it's going to happen personally, but it's the other guy in the photo, right? Yep, here. That's Jalen Carter. Yeah. It's Stetson Bennett. I mean, what's going to happen to Stetson Bennett? I talked about the Carter news and how that was the, you know, kind of the big flavor, I think. But the Stetson Bennett situation is going to be really interesting because I think the third round is as high as he will go. Right. Mm -hmm. But then there's then I mean, I think there's all the way to the possibility of undrafted free agent. I, I, I mean, I. A seventh round pick is probably he'll probably get drafted. Stetson will probably some somebody will take a, a flyer, but the possibility exists. I think um, he that's a very intriguing one to watch uh, for on Thursday. So I, you know, I think it's on the table, and I think it is like the widest gap yeah. between ceiling and floor yeah. in a draft uh, pick that I can remember, and I don't. 
Brock really Purdy. cover the draft too closely. Haven't done that in quite a few years. Um, well, and and the reasoning behind that is because the tape says one thing and the traits say another. The traits say, you know, the traits are all the reasons why he was a walk-on coming into college. You know, he's not big. He doesn't have a great arm, this and that, and you, you know. But but the turn on the film and all you see is is him leading touchdown drives and him winning games. And that speaks volumes to teams just as much as the measurables or lack thereof in, in Stetson's case, um, you know, as, as they do. Yeah, well, it's it's like what I said around Heisman time, even though I was pretty confident he wasn't going to win. I did say, uh, and I wasn't just hedging my bets, it was just based on the experience of everything I'd seen him do. Nothing will surprise me with Stetson when it comes to something happening in his favor because of everything he did at Georgia. He won back-to-back national championships. He was a Heisman finalist. So if he goes high, gets picked high, it's not going to surprise me. If he doesn't get picked high, if he goes undrafted, but then also shows up in camp and a few months later we're, we're seeing him in a kind of a Taylor Heineke role where he's found himself on the field because the starter got injured and he's balling out against these NFL studs, that's also not going to surprise me. So I can't wait to see from top to bottom what Stetson's NFL career looks like because I do think there's so much room for him to once again show people you're wrong about me. Yeah, but- and I – no, I was going to say, I, I think one of the guys – you mentioned Taylor Heineke, and I'm glad you did because the, the guy who stands out to me from last year is Brock Purdy. Right. I mean, you're talking about last pick in the draft and the guy is about to possibly get a former like number three overall pick traded out of San Francisco because he's the presumed starter based on what he did on the field. And so I think that there's listen, quarterback picking quarterbacks never been an exact science. I think everybody could agree to that. But, you know, there's an open floor to some degree of who can play in this league and who can't. Brad Purdy's not a guy who made it there on elite measurable. He's he's not, you know, Josh Allen. He's not Will Levis. He's not running forties like uh, uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, but he's won and he continues to win. And how does that affect Stetson? Uh, I, I'll be very intrigued to see that in the draft. the the other The other two guys that you know, as we talk about third round potential. Um, the other two guys that I would throw in there would be Kenny McIntosh and Chris Smith. Um, you know, just with, with, with Kenny, it's interesting because you've got a really, really deep running back class and that could both help him and hurt him. Uh, you know, it could help him in, in the fact that people feel like, you know, Hey, once one, one running back goes, there's going to be a run on them. Uh, but it could also hurt him because teams could, you know, instead of making that run on running backs, um, they, they, they might say, well, we can get a, you know, guy that we really believe in, in the third or in the fourth or fifth or, you know, third day, um, you know, and, and then with Chris, I mean, you know, just like Jalen was, we're talking about a unanimous all American and, and, you know, on the flip side of things, uh, from, from a deep running back class, it's not a deep safety class. So it could be, yeah, to me, he could be like the James Cook of this draft yeah, where, yeah. I can yeah. see that. I yeah. can see that. Like a late second round pick, early third. I mean, who would have had Channing Tindall? Um, you know, I guess Channing didn't go above uh, Nakobe, but but you know, being a 
a, a top three round pick. Um, you know, I, I, I think I think Chris has a chance to go there. What do yeah. you make of the uh, of the Nolan Smith rise? Because I'll tell you, it makes as far sense. as what he's done on the field. It would surprise me to see him go as high as some of these mocks that I've seen. Just I, in, in hindsight, I, I've seen one where he's as high as the 16th overall pick in the draft, 16, 17. I've seen some where he's 30th overall to the Eagles, which I think would make a little bit more sense. But I mean, it's just shocking to me. And I guess when I look at him physically, what wouldn't surprise me is to learn that he just blew the doors off of everybody in the interview process because of how affable he is and the head he has on his shoulders, the leadership traits he has, and and you know that you have a known commodity there. But this rise, you know, kind of like ships in the night with Jalen Carter to an extent, not that they're actually passing each other in the mocks, but uh, it's been something to watch the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and I, I think that really, like you said, to me, the thing that benefited Nolan more than anything was just getting in front of people. You know, everybody everybody in our realm, I think, to some degree, had taken for granted who he was in terms of how that might impress and how that might boost his stock further. But then he goes to the combine, he blows the doors off of it, like you say, athletically, and then he has a chance to get in front of these people and speak and, uh, you know, to impart his message and that's really been part of it all along and you know nolan smith i think is if you're looking for a culture guy that's the guy you're targeting um he has all the elite measurables and he brings the personality and the want to and the leadership factor and i think that that's as intriguing to people as you know Look, Jalen Carter was super productive, I mean, and, and is a, a force to be reckoned with. But I think in a lot of people's cases, it's how much, and I'm not saying you got to babysit Jalen Carter, but how much am I going to have to babysit a guy? Nolan Smith has presented himself throughout this process, throughout his career, as a guy that you're not going to have to watch out for. He's going to take care of himself. Nolan's going to watch out for Nolan, and he's going to make the right decision along the way. Well, and, and you know, if you look at his college career, Nolan's going to watch out for everyone else that's yep. around him too. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, you know, listening to the talk about Jalen Carter, you know, you, you use the word babysitting. A lot of these people, a lot of these teams have, and, and, you know, mock draft analysts and people like that have said, well, you know, a, a team that's going to take Jalen Carter, they better have guys that can, you know, hold him accountable. Well, Nolan is one of those guys that, that can be a guy that holds a player accountable down the road for you when you take him because, you know, go, go read the piece that I put up today. Um, you know, no one did an interview with on the NFL network earlier this past, or, you know, to start off the weekend. Um, and he talked about, you know, his experiences at Georgia and uh, you know, how he went from being the mentee under Aziz Ojolari to the mentor for Marvin Jones and, and, you know, what that was like. And, you know, I think it speaks volumes about Georgia's, culture and George's connection, but I think it also speaks volumes about Nolan and, and the kind of player that he is, uh, you know, being, you know, on the younger side of things, wanting to get better, wanting to get himself better and just soak up everything that somebody who's done it well before him has to offer, but then also wanting to share what he has. So, you know, lo- learned and, and pass that along to others. So, Oh, he wants to be the next head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. 
you know? Yeah. yeah I, um, 100%. And I saw, I forget whose it was. Um, so I won't even speculate. I think it was somebody from Yahoo, though, if I'm not mistaken, who had suggested the idea that the Bears traded around and basically paired Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith together and said, let, let him be kind of his brother's keeper here. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, yeah, so- I, I, I saw that one at some point. And, and yeah. I, I want to say, Ledger's I, saw, I, I saw one that had Jalen slipping to 10 to the Eagles and then Nolan slipping to 30 to the Eagles where they would build Athens North. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anywhere you go in the next decade, you could call a directional uh, tangent of Athens because there are so many dogs hitting the NFL draft right now. Um, I can't wait to see what happens. We'll get into this more on Wednesday when Roe joins us again. I'm sure there will be some more shuffling uh, among these crazy NFL mock drafts that uh, give us something else to talk about here. I'll tell you this. My my last thing on this. I think Warren McLennan will outplay wherever he's drafted. I think Warren McClendon is a solid piece on an offensive line for years to come. I said that about Jamari Sawyer last year. You saw how the Falcons listened to me. Now he's the starting left tackle for the Chargers. Bang, bang, bang. What, what I'm hearing is that you should be an NFL scout. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I, I don't know if this is far-fetched or not, but, Roos, I think you keep up with the NFL as much, maybe, maybe the most of any of us on – the staff um i keep it so i keep up with the players i don't i just get I the vibe of that i don't well, well I I, a I lot of up, time I talking keep, no, to you about I keep it up with the players and I, I watch the draft religiously to be honest with you i sort of ended up doing the recruiting stuff as a byproduct of the draft i never like wrote about draft stuff but i've always been obsessed with the draft and like the traits and the measurables and things like that and so that naturally translated over to the high school recruiting aspect of things and so i do um yeah i I absolutely look into that and um i follow this part of the year to me the draft is the best part of the nfl oh yeah it's so fun man i want to go to one i've never been to one me me too the, uh, uh, the the one in Nashville looked to be a lot of fun down there on Broadway. Hope oh, Springs, ruined all those Springs bachelorette new. weekends. Yeah, hope hope springs anew every year. And I, as a Falcon fan, I'm I you know I just set myself up once uh, once again for it. Right. This could be the year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you gotta have hope. Yes, it uh, I wrote about this over the weekend and uh, had a little bit of back and forth on our message board about it. C.J. Stroud's tumble is interesting to me, and we wouldn't talk about this probably if Ohio State didn't play Georgia in the Peach Bowl. But it's just fascinating to me to see the uh, NFL draft process play out and linger and uh, delay as long as it does because I think in a lot of situations, it only hurts guys like C.J. Stroud. Um You've seen these negative stories come out about how he, you know, blew off an opportunity to go to a Manning camp. To me, you know, who cares about that? But any red flag for a quarterback is a massive red flag. And now we've seen Will Levis, who, you know, couldn't find any kind of support, any kind of friend early in this NFL draft process, uh, to now 
he's passing C.J. Stroud because Stroud is taking this tumble. But, guys, when I saw C.J. Stroud play against Georgia's defense, he looked like a guy who could be a not just a competent NFL quarterback, but a first-round draft pick. And it's the flip side of the coin of what I say about Anthony Richardson. If you want to really get a true test of how ready a quarterback could be in the NFL, and I know it's just a one-game sample size, and I didn't watch every single C.J. Stroud game this year, and I know this game against Georgia in particular was kind of an outlier uh, for what he did, but I do know that my eyes did not deceive me. That guy was a baller against a really good defense, and it's Anthony Richardson has not been a baller against Georgia's defense in two opportunities. So that's has well something that I can't wrap my mind around right now. Yeah, no, no question. I, and Palmer said it. Yeah, neither has Will Levis, right? I mean, C.J. Stroud played essentially what was a, a professional team uh, at the end of the day by how many of these dudes will get drafted off of this Georgia team and uh, took him to the brink. And, um, I, yeah, I agree with you 100,000%, Wes. I, I, you know, people – know that I'm a football guy. They ask me all the time, what do you think they should do? I, I think C.J. Stroud should be the number one pick in the NFL draft. I think that he has all the measurables. I think he's put it, put it on tape. I get people have a knock against uh, Ohio State quarterbacks to some degree because they are surrounded by very elite weapons. Brian Hartline creates an outstanding receiver room for them to throw to. But that kid played as well against Georgia as anybody I've seen uh, in the last probably 10 years. And, you know, if not for a, a botched kick, uh, and you know, now I'm not saying you know Georgia had there was some missed holding throughout the whole game. Oh, but, for sure. But if not for a botched kick, Georgia's not back there, and and it would not. And that's not that's not on C.J. Stroud to kick that football. Well, he, he did everything he could have. You, you you said that you would take him one, and that he's played as good against Georgia. You know, the best against Georgia that you've seen in quite some time. Turn on the 2021 SEC championship. Yeah, I mean, I don't have and any qualms with Bryce or I'm with Stroud. It. Yeah, I'm, with, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hating on Bryce Young. To me, though, if we're talking about, like I said, to me, it's a combination of both things. It's what he put on tape plus the measurables, which is what everybody in the NFL drools over, right? CJ Stroud has the more desirable frame, which you believe will hold up over the longer course of time, et cetera, et cetera. That to me is what puts Stroud the the notch above uh, Bryce Young. I, I, I don't think you can miss with either of them, and I think there's a reason why, you know, throughout this entire process up until you know the, those C two S two. Yeah, the S two is the thing that's being held against him now, yeah. and I had to read up on that. It's not, it's not just the wonder lick where you're just measuring your overall like intelligence your cognition S2 it's not an SAT is, or ACT no it's how fast do you gather information and then make a decision based on it and I which would, I do it think, wouldn't even invite me to the test <laughs> I, I and I and you know I would be interested you know and I will be interested to see because this is the you know one of the earlier years that they've been using that over the Wonderlick I'll, I'll be curious to see how those you know, scores start to translate to on the field because there is something to be said about the ability to, you know, read and react type, uh, you know, to, to things that you see out there. But, you know, with, with I, I think that, you know, what I was saying was they, those two CJ and, and Bryce have been the top two quarterbacks 
you know, through this entire process. And I think, you know, you know, Georgia has gotten to see the top five quarterbacks, uh, you know, probably the top first five quarterbacks that get picked in this draft. They've gotten to see each of them in, in the last two years, uh, you know, between Stroud, Young, Hooker. Levis, Hooker, and Richardson. And two of them have played really well against Georgia. Three of them have not. And I think, you know, when you're, you know, you, you can see how good Georgia has been based on what they've done and what they've turned out to the pros. Those guys played really well in on against those, you know, pro, you know, filled teams. So um, I, 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 you know, I think that they're the top two quarterbacks. Yeah. Look, you can't just make these decisions based on one game. Guys play lights out. They catch a they catch a heater and and they go on a tear and they're not as you know they're not as good in their career as they were in that one game. But I think all of us who watch Georgia's defense know that if you get a guy that's able to break through that that seal a little bit, uh, he's probably having a pretty good game. And it's probably not just a flash in the pan. You got to be a dude. I mean, you really do. And and just because you don't. Uh, doesn't mean that you can't play well. For me, that's why I, I single out Anthony Richardson as opposed to Hendon Hooker because Anthony Richardson's had you know two two really good shots. And uh, you know, Georgia's defense against Hooker in Knoxville was a totally different beast. Um, they got him benched, but Richardson just looked <laughs> just looked lost against Georgia when it when it mattered most. So I understand his measurables are what they are. And uh, when you're a scout and you see him in person, I know it's probably hard to say, yeah, we wouldn't be interested in that guy. But Stroud and Bryce Young are clearly, uh, when you look at what they did against Georgia and and you want to think about how that translates to the NFL, man, they are, they are different. They are built different for sure. Um, breaking T is also built different. And the uh, apparel that they put together – to go on your uh, upper body, maybe your arms as well if you want to get a hoodie or a sweatshirt, or maybe you just want to get a T-shirt that shows everyone that you love the dogs and you've been riding this dog's back-to-back national championship wave. You can check out the Breaking Tea line of apparel, and the link to the Breaking Tea lineup is in every episode description of The Georgia Show, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcast or Spotify, uh, check out Breaking Tea right now if you need a new Georgia shirt, and we all know that you do. Um, well, it's uh, I feel like we got something maybe cooking with the Dylan Riola decision. We saw Bear Alexander make his transfer portal decision as well, and. Uh, it's a lot of sour grapes maybe for Georgia fans who are saying good riddance to Bear Alexander guys, but I don't think we've really taken the opportunity to look at what kind of impact he could have by leaving Georgia. And I don't know if G-Day fully answered that question, but now that Bear Alexander's decision is in, he's definitely gone, how do you think Georgia will, will replace that? Is there one player in particular that – steps up and fills Bears' shoes, or is Georgia going to have to uh, figure this out over game action a couple games into the season? 
I have a guy in mind, but I, I'm going to default to Palmer. He's the team guy here. So, well, I, I got two guys in mind, and and I think I know which one you would go with. Um, you know, t- to me, it's it's not even it's it's not one guy that's going to replace Barry right, Alexander. And you know, really, I think you're looking for two guys to replace Bear Alexander and Jalen Carter because you know those are the two big losses that you're feeling from this defense and. The two guys that I would point to, Jordan Hall as a as a true freshman, and you know he he probably you know is is a little bit more freaky, uh, you know the the Jordan the Jalen Carter type where you know can can plug and play right away, uh, and, and then Bear Alexander being replaced by Chris Miller, his classmate. Oh, interesting, interesting. See that that was not what I was going to say at all. I, I I didn't have either of those names in mind. Okay, I. Think I think the guy who benefits the most from this personally is Nazir Stackhouse. I, I think that he's going to kind of I think he's going to see a significant increase in what he's asked to do and the, the opportunities that he has. I don't hate either of those picks, though. I think that both of those guys now have a huge opportunity in front of them. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and Nazir was going to have that opportunity right. in front of him either way because of the Jalen Carter. Department. I think he's got to be the, maybe the dude now. Like he, like he, like he's got. I looked at him as the dude on that defensive line anyway, because not I didn't before Bear. Bear, I think Bear was primed for a big year this year. I think that he'll have a big year for USC. I'm not saying that he probably that struggles may not stop here, um, in terms of where he goes, where he doesn't. But (laughs) yeah, I think uh, I think that to me he was the. I think he was supposed to be the star, the heir apparent. I. I, Nazir to me is a great player. I just didn't know. I don't know that I thought that he was maybe on the same level as Alexander in terms of what he could do, but he's going to be called to be certainly right now. And I think he'll have a chance to show that. That photo is so incredible. <laughs> that, that, let, let's just acknowledge that. That, that man got a tongue like Dean Simmons too. Man. I mean, <laughs> uh, that's a, a walloper in there. Yeah. That's I mean, a- that's a TikTok uh, star right there. He's not. Yeah. He's not afraid yeah. to uh, let that tongue hang out, man. Yeah, he's a celeb. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, I think, like I was saying, I, you know, I, I saw Nazir Stackhouse as a big part of this defensive line, and 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 maybe the biggest, most crucial part of it because of how productive he was last season. Um, you know, and and his veteran presence. You know, I, I always saw. Him as the core of this group, and I saw you know the opportunity for guys like Zion Logan, Warren Brinson being veterans to be in there, but I also saw Bear Alexander as as a big piece too, and so you know in in replacing those those you know in replacing Bear, replacing Jalen, you know there, there's a lot of guys that have opportunities. It's not going to just be one guy that takes it on. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important that, you know, I was, I kind of hinted at this, um, you know, this past week I wrote, a, a three questions, two answers, and one prediction out of, uh, spring practice. And one of the questions that I had was the depth of this defensive line. They are down to 10 scholarship guys on the defensive line. That's how many they travel with to every game. And so, you know, come, stuff, man. They, 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 they've got to have all of those guys, from top to bottom, from the Nazir Stackhouses of the world to you know the youngest, lesser touted of the two freshmen, Jamal Jarrett. They've all yep. got to step up 
uh, you know, to, to play a part, a bigger part than they probably were expected to be playing. And it makes sense to me that that's the numbers that they find themselves at because there's no, there's probably in my mind, no more premium spot than defensive line. If you can be, if you're a good serviceable defensive lineman, you can find a home at a big time school right now, period. If you're in the transfer portal, that's not the case with defensive backs. Quarterbacks are kind of struggling to some degree. If you're not a high level guy, there's a lot of skill players out there. There's a lot of those, you know, uh, running backs, uh, wide receivers, etc. Defensive linemen, guys who can affect the pass are, um, I, I think that that's important. Well, you know, bringing up Jordan Hall just shows with a guy like Alexander leaving, and yes, Stackhouse knows the expectations. He knows what it takes to succeed on this uh, D-line and, and how to be a dog. Um, we're going to see some younger guys that I think are not only expected to now step up, but I don't know if we've seen this many that could be capable, and maybe we're putting too much pressure on them, but I'm just hearing y'all's evaluations of guys like Jordan Hall and I'm excited to see him. And now I'm expecting that maybe he's not the guy, but Palmer, that's pretty high praise, man, that he's going to be counted on. And uh, if not being the guy, he's going to be a piece. He's going to be a piece of the puzzle. He can be that guy. He can be that guy. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking something up here on PFF, you know, going back to that 20, 2020 season uh, when Georgia – when when Jalen Carter was a freshman, how many how many snaps y'all think he played? And do you think, uh, you know, keep in mind they had Jordan Davis, they had Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, um, but he was a big part of their plans there. Do you think that, um, you know, in, in terms of let's let's you know not not necessarily the number of snaps that he played, but ranking it among the defensive linemen, do you think that Jordan Hall is going to play? As many more or less snaps than than uh, Carter did his friend. Carter was out there for a lot. He was. I'm gonna say fewer. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say as many. I'm not gonna say more. So, just a quick count here. Um, and we're doing this live. Devontae Wyatt played the most snaps that year among among defensive linemen. Malik Herring, uh, Jalen Carter was third. Had Jordan Davis beat. I don't think that Jordan Hall is going to be playing the third most snaps on this defensive line, but I do think that he's going to be out there a lot, uh, a, a lot, uh, you know, more than more than Bear Alexander was this past year. Yeah, that's which I'm also going to look at now. Sure, um, I think from a yeah from a freshman standpoint J- jordan hall is about and the fact that the matter is like i thought he did some nice things in g day and now he has the whole summer as well to kind of get his body right and you know you go back though turn on the tape of his high school film just tremendous stuff man i mean unless he forgets how to play football jordan hall is going to be a guy who makes his presence felt early and often bear was yeah. eighth among defensive linemen this year he was where eighth among defensive linemen in terms of snaps this past season as a true freshman. Yeah. Okay. Nazir Stackhouse was number one and obviously affected by the fact that Jalen Carter played three less games. And really that three is more like four or five based on how much he was limited. But um, 
I think to me, my point there being Nazir Stackhouse was a big part of the defense last year, too. To me, though, Stackhouse is going to be called upon to do more than he's than he has done. I think I mean, I'm not saying just in terms of sheer appearances. I think that there's going to be more impetus on him to be the guy to get back there, affect people and carry it in that way. Because Bear Alexander was that guy, you know. Blue Henry right here is saying uh, it's easy to replace what he, uh, what Bear Alexander did. And yes, from last year's production, it is. But he was going to be, re- I think, he was going to be relied on to provide a lot more than that this year. Yeah, go and, back uh, and watch the national championship when he was just blowing up uh, TCU. And I don't know if this was explicitly said on the broadcast or not, but I remember thinking okay, this is kind of a coronation. It's almost like how they gave the ball to Carson Beck yep. um, late in the game. It's like, all right, it's the changing of the guard. Time to turn things over here. And, and he when could- I saw Bear Alexander, I was like, okay, Jalen Carter's about to be gone. Now Bear Alexander's showing what he's all about. And, and- he, took, he took steps all year. That was yeah. the thing, is, is Bear Alexander continued to progress all over the year. And, and for me – What's so important about a freshman guy, when they get an opportunity, Malachi Starks had no problem with this, but a lot of guys, it takes them some time. I I want you to pop off of the tape every time that you're on the field. And I felt like Bear continued every time that he had an opportunity, he was doing something positive when he was out there. And I think that that stands out to coaches and to people who watch um, closely uh, in, in a big way. But I agree with you completely. That national, the, 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 it, there was a, a bit of a coronation to some degree, it felt like. Yeah. Um, I hinted at it. I know there's, you know, n- no news at the moment, but Dylan Riola decision potentially looming here. We talked about it on Wednesday's show. Um, just behind the scenes, Jake, you've been doing this for a while now. When there is potentially a major commitment like this, and, and there's no player bigger than the team, yeah. But there are recruitments and there are commitments that are bigger than other commitments. What do you think Georgia's staff is doing right now? Uh, or if, if the hay's already in the barn, hypothetically, let's say. What is going into a recruitment, uh, piecing these things together on Dylan Riola? Obviously, they've become very familiar with one another. Uh, Mike Bobo has that connection with him. Um, but But what would you guess this commitment has looked like for Georgia as you potentially have a, a, a pretty big deal coming in at quarterback alongside Ryan Puglisi in that uh, 2024 class? Well, I mean, it hasn't been easy. Um, you know, they've had to continue to fight. I mean, it was uh, the Ohio state thing for a while and, and they've had to, they had to sort of switch gears there, but they never backed down from it. And I think that that was really one of the big things that benefited Georgia and, and Cam in the long term. Um, but I always caution people to tell uh, – I always tell people when, when you're dealing with a kid of this stature, there's not really a lot of putting, a, putting the screws to him, right? You, you can't say, hey, uh, you know, we don't have a spot for you. You're, this kid's the number one quarterback in America. You can't tell this kid when it's going to happen. He gets to call the shots, and that's just the nature of the position. That's the nature of – his ranking, that's the nature of who he is and what the game is and and how important that position is. And so, you know, I think that what Georgia preferred uh, for this to have been done already, yeah, they probably have preferred to have been done last summer 
Um, but, but at this point, just be thankful if it happens. Right. And I'm not saying that it won't, I feel like Georgia is in the best spot. Look, we're what a uh, month and a half, right. Out of uh, official visits really kind of kicking off. Dylan Ryola has one schedule. It's to Georgia. The very first week of official visits. Um, we haven't heard a lot of talk about USC uh, while all of this Georgia stuff's been bubbling. We haven't heard a lot of talk about Nebraska in a good month or so. I, it is what it is, man. I mean, he's, I, I think that Riola, yeah, there you go. Rocking the, the Georgia <laughs> towel. What a find by Wes. Uh, as I you, don't know when was this his, how, I don't I don't know how many know. high school teams ago this know. was. But I mean, that you know, yeah. Given the given verification system on Twitter, we that may not even be the real Dylan Riola. <laughs> but yeah, but we but what we do know is that Georgia played has played a very long game here, and uh, he loved Todd Munkin, and he seems to really love Mike Bobo too. And I think that getting in front of uh, Mike Bobo was key. Um, Tomahawk dog, I see your question here. Do you, uh, do Riola has significantly better as significantly better right now than Puglisi looks like, uh, uh, really good as well to me. I would agree with you. Um, I think that, uh, Puglisi looks really, really good. The difference is the level of competition that he's playing. Um, Puglisi's playing in the deep private school ranks of Connecticut. And, um, that's just not the same caliber of football that's being played in Phoenix where guys like Keely Ringo come out. Um, you know, he's, he's playing Palmer Tom's level football. Hmm, so it's not... <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm taking a Montgomery bell shot when I can. <laughs> um, no, but, but th- to me, that's the big difference. I, I listen, Georgia brought Puglisi in last summer. They fell in love with what he had to offer. So did Alabama. So did a number of teams. Georgia won that recruitment out. And he's been very consistent. I think Puglisi's an outstanding player. I think from a measurable standpoint, from what he's able to put on tape, it all looks good. To me, what puts Raul over is the um, is the competition and also the pedigree. He's got a, an, an NFL father. He understands the process. He understands the professionalism that this takes. All of those things factor in, man. And, uh, you know, he's going to have a deep understanding of offense as a result of having a, a dad who was a center for God's sakes, in the NFL. I mean, if, if you don't know how to run an offense out of a, being the center, uh, you, you can't play there. <laughs> He's probably not on offense. Yeah, right. So, I mean, to me, those are the big differences. Some of them. Yeah, it's it's so hard to talk about this when nothing's happened yet. Right. But I think all of us, I mean, Georgia fans, us, we're, we're ready to spring into action if and when this commitment happens. Because uh, we want to make sure it's covered the right way, and uh, we're just—I don't know—you don't get commitments like this very often. And when you have an opportunity to talk about them, I'm glad that we uh, had the opportunity to answer some questions like that from Tomahawk Dog and uh, Matthew C. wants to know: Should we be worried about Riola? Uh, like Bear Alexander have similar movement histories? We've we've addressed this in the past. I don't think that. you yeah, can. I mean- look at that as a, an indication of a guy's character these days. It's just how people play the game. Well, one That's of them moving states, too. I mean, <laughs> sure. From, from Texas to Arizona. Sure. I mean, I, yeah, there's, there's different – I mean, it's, it's different stuff, man. It really is. It's, we're not 
everybody wants to think that high school football is like when they were in high school and it's not it, nope. it's it's not even close it's it's much more like college football used it's a to business. be and college football is a lot like pro football used to be and pro football is something totally different now hmm. um so it's it, we've it's transcending all the time I, I don't have listen here's my my i think i said this on the board if i didn't i may have said it here but i've said it if the number one quarterback in America signs with your school, he's probably not going to sit around for three years. Okay. Just regardless. I, it's not going to matter. Somebody's going to give him an opportunity to go somewhere else. I think that, um, you know, we're seeing this Brock Vandegrift stuff right now. I kind of think that's even a dying breed. I, I think that guys are going to, and, 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 Dylan is the number one guy. So that's a way different thing than the number four or five guy, which I think uh, Brock was at the time. That's a different spin on everything. So yeah. Do you have a worry about him transferring? Sure. If he doesn't get a chance. Yeah. I could see that if somebody supersedes him. Yeah. He'll probably transfer. If he's the guy, if he's the guy, he might be there. But also, too, A.D. Mitchell and Bear Alexander were the guys. So don't, I mean, look, you, you can't judge it based off of that. We're, we're in a, it's, it's totally flipped, man. And it just, you, you just got to come what may. Georgia, though, uh, to go back to Tomahawk's dog, Tomahawk Dog's point, Georgia's signing two really good ones in this class if Riola comes on with Puglisi. And if he, if he doesn't, they've got some other good options out there. They're going to take two guys in this class. I feel very convinced of that, regardless of what happens here. And, that's how they have to buffer that right now. And then if it doesn't work out that way, they'll use the transfer portal just like everybody else does. So, yep. It works gotta, both ways. You just got to play it, man. Let's get to some dog stocks, wrap this thing up and get into a big week for Georgia football. Um, as we look at the draft and everything we just talked about, I'm going to say stock down on Jake Rowe because <laughs> he missed the show because of his internet and this, what is this? Is it an al- it's an alpaca, not a llama. Yeah, that's correct. Right? Al- alpaca, alpaca, whatever it is, man. Jake Rowe does not want any part of that thing, dude. <laughs> that thing would rip him to shreds. Uh, it just has those grinding flat teeth that are built to chew through cud or whatever it eats. I drive past this animal farm, I'm pretty sure, unless it's a different one. And there's a lot of them out there. And they got a pack of alpacas. They don't just travel solo. They travel in packs. And Jake Rowe would be toast. So, stock down, Jake Rowe. (laughs) Bomb, you want it? Uh, Yeah, I will go stock up on Georgia spring sports. Um, Baseball swept. Uh, number five, Arkansas, pig. and that was a big one. Um, I, I see you there, Uncle Glenn. Softball swept South Carolina in Athens. Women's tennis won the SEC tournament uh, the, the, today. Men's tennis was just you know a tad bit away from winning the tournament, but they won the regular season with an undefeated SEC record, did not drop a match there. Um you know, I, I stock up on the spring sports, and, and I think it's an exciting time. Um, you know, with with the draft being this week and spring football being done, after this week, attention turns a little bit away from football. 
Um, you know, and, and it's a long time until, uh, until the fall and, and we'll be here to, to keep you entertained, but we'll find stuff to talk about. Exactly, <laughs> Trust me. Exactly. For sure. For sure. But, um, Georgia spring sports are doing their part too. And, and the basketball program as well, picking up a pair of commitments here within the last week, um, you know, the transfer portal. So stock up to spring sports, other sports, uh, football, non-football sports. Yeah, there's, there's nothing better than spring sports in Athens. If you're around, Papa Zyrtec, Claritin, Allegra, your allergy medicine of choice, and sit out and enjoy it, man. It's uh, it, it's There's nowhere better to be than Athens, Georgia in the spring. All right, Jake Roos, take us home. Mountain Jake. All right. Um, am I incorrect in saying, and you guys please feel free to correct me if so, that all the uh, SEC spring games are done? Yeah, I guess Bama. I think everybody's done, right? Bama and LSU were this past weekend. Okay. I think everybody's done at this point. So I'm going to say stock down on people reading too much into spring games. All right. Mm. Uh, Everybody getting ready to bury Alabama, getting ready to coronate everybody else. I get it. Listen, there were some good things. There were some bad things from each of these. The script is there. I, I, I love what Dion's got going on and the buzz he's got going on at Colorado. If you go look at how they were playing defense in Boulder, you need to be worried about that, not excited about how the quarterback was playing, okay? <laughs> That's the big takeaway for me. Take a chill pill when it comes to these spring games. The situations are what they are, and I think that uh, it's designed that way in some regards. Uh, Matthew C. says, LSU look good, though. Uh, Daniels and Nussmeyer look great. Those guys look good last year, too, right, in real action. They, uh, I, I, they, they've proven that in, in game time. That's not just the spring game where they've done that. Take a step back. Take a breather. It's exciting. It feels like football in the uh, middle of the oasis, um, but it's not real life. And so everybody take, take it back. Take a step back. Reset your expectations. Fall camp will determine all of this, and we'll all forget the spring ever happened once fall camp kicks off. And hey, so, while you while while we mentioned spring games, stock up to Georgia fans, seventh biggest turnout for a spring game with part of the stadium closed off. No question. Big. Wow, huge. That's pretty special, man. Pretty special. It's not Colorado. You didn't have ninety-three-year-old women uh, doing the honorary kickoff or anything, but <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that defense was was laughably suspect. Come on now. I mean, scripted. Yeah, exactly. In some, in some cases, scripted to get Travis Hunter that easy touchdown. Dion knows what he's doing, though. I will say that. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. Prime, listen, in Colorado, if you want to reinvigorate your program, you, you've done it. Have a fun spring game. That's right. Uh, we had a fun show tonight. We missed you, Jake Rowe. We'll see y'all back here um, Wednesday night, 8.30 p.m., the Georgia show, every Sunday and Wednesday. This will be a – I assume a totally NFL draft focus show as we uh, look ahead to the dogs going and going early and going often. So we'll see you then. And then, Roosie, do you have plans for uh, Bark After Dark this week? Ooh, or is Jake's uh, internet a that, – that it, it may hinge on what happens with the internet situation. Okay. The row I texted house. Jake in the middle a, of the show. A potential he – he, he said he thinks that they, he'll have internet, and he's tentatively yes – a potential, a potentially big 
big uh, day. We'll see. We'll see. With, with a, a, lot of we'll, a lot of we'll see around Bark After Dark tomorrow. A handshake okay. agreement there for Bark After Dark. All right. Yeah. A, a, a mystery Bark time. After Dark yeah. episode. A soft verbal, I heard. Thanks, y'all, for joining. As always, sign up for a premium membership at dogshq.com and read all the other good stuff on our message board and uh, the premium news breakage that we have going on around these parts in Athens, Georgia. Y'all have a great week. We'll catch you soon.